Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I'm grateful for our newest Patreon members, Candace and Mark. As of this recording, I am 596 days sober, and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome, Danielle. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. My name's Danielle, and as of this recording, I have 1,077 days of sobriety, and I am a proud and recovering alcoholic. Excellent. Congratulations on that. And tell us a little bit more about you and maybe some of the hobbies or interests you found in sobriety. Sure. So the the best hobby I've gotten back in is really something I've gotten back into in sobriety is running. Running for me started shortly after I graduated college and I stopped playing soccer and I recognized like, oh, I need something to kind of keep me in shape and keep me happy. And then I kept with it. And then towards the end of my drinking, I really was really far away from that. And in sobriety is definitely been something that's not simply for physical health. It is absolutely, I say to people all the time, it is my mental health as well. That's That's been really good. Um, and then really, I don't know if this is a hobby or not, but just being present, like really sitting with my morning coffee and just being available to the people that I interact with. I have two children, so just doesn't really feel like a hobby, but, you know, and then just getting outside more, hiking, you know, just kind of getting back to, speaking of dog, my dog is barking, you know, just getting back to who I felt like I was on the path to be before I went down the the rabbit hole of of drinking. Excellent. And then why don't we jump into that rabbit hole and tell us what your experience with alcohol and addiction was like? Sure. Yeah. I came to drinking late in life. I had a parent who identified as a drug and alcohol addict growing up. So I kind of grew up with the education. I was part of the say no generation education wise. So I grew up with the education of like alcohol and other drugs are bad. And so I'm a kind of a dorky rule follower. And so I was between that and, and watching my mother's struggles. I was really like, I don't, I don't think this is for me. And then somewhere through call, I went to college and was, and didn't drink my first year in college. And that was an interesting experience. People didn't really know what to do with that or make of, but then, you know, it's hard to kind of bump up against that. And so I did start drinking a little bit and then, you know, it was okay-ish for many years. And then as life got difficult, I like painfully, ironically, my drinking really took a deep dive after my mother passed away. And that was really difficult. And my was struggling. Um, I had a new child. So all, you know, all these things just sort of crashed together. And that's really, that's really when it started. And it was, you know, not great, but manageable. And it was really hard for me to understand 
coming from this mental place of like alcohol is a drug and it's a depressant. And what am I doing? And I used to always say, like, I feel like I'm playing with fire here, knowing that, you know, addiction is, or from what I understand, it can be genetic. So, you know, I kind of lived in that world for a while. My marriage didn't, my first marriage didn't end up failing. I got remarried. That relationship was had its own troubles and I, and I drank at them and I, and I drank to, to numb out and I drank to escape all of that, all that emotion. And I knew, so for me, it wasn't the frequency and it wasn't the amount of alcohol towards the end. It was what my, where my mind was. It was really going to get emotional. It was really dark. It was really scary. And my bottom wasn't involved in actual drinking. My bottom was when I really started to, it really scared me. I really started to um, think maybe my kids would be better off without me here. That was my bottom. And I, it, it like, I think many people have this experience. It, it, it shocked me. It scared me. And I was, I'm grateful. I was in therapy and my therapist has many years of sobriety. And the other thing that alcohol does, which I didn't realize that this is a common experience is we're, we totally isolate. So we just, we're so ashamed and we're so angry and, and we just retreat into this really, for me, it was a really scary place by myself. And I had a very sweet, gentle therapist who happens to have my mom's first name as well. So that always feels like a funny, like cosmic thing. And she very gently and very kindly asked me to consider going to AA. You know, and I didn't want to, I'd seen my mom go through this. My memory of being a child in like dingy church basements, a lot of people crying as I just did. And now I see like, people could have been crying about hope. People could have been crying tears of like, I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm having a breakthrough. I'm not, I'm handling things better. You know, so like, it's, it's sort of mind blowing to be on the side of it now. But my therapist very, very gently, and, you know, she knew me really well and was like, you know, maybe AA. And she really, she got me to get into the rooms of AA because she wanted me to make friends. Mm -hmm. She's like, I really, I think you could make some friends with people. You could get a community of people that, that aren't, you know, you could meet people to go on hikes with, to go on walks with, to go running with, to walk your dog with, like that, that you know, drinking isn't the central social part of what they're doing. So, so I, I considered that, you know, I was really at the end of my, at the end of my rope. And the thing is that, you know, everyone, you know, people have said to me, like, you know, the elevator goes all the way to the bottom and you can get off at any point. And so I, I'm grateful that I got off before, you know, things in terms of my actual, like, drinking and you know getting into trouble that way but you know it was it was still very scary um and i walked into my first aa meeting on valentine's day mm -hmm. and i just love that happenstance the meeting i go to i i live in western mass and the meeting i go to meets every morning at 7 a.m and i'm happy to share they're, they're they went to zoom in the pandemic and they still are in person and in zoom and it's a great meeting it's got a lot of folks with a lot of years of recovery um so I'm happy to share that that link with folks. It's mostly local folks, but we have a couple from the UK that zoom in. And there's a woman who used to live in this area who lives in South Carolina who zooms in. So it's a very sweet community. But they, on Fridays, they do chips and anniversaries. And so my therapist also knew, like, come and see a celebration. It's not doom and gloom. It's people, like I said before, like, it's people getting back to life. It's people celebrating this thing that, like, you know, in in 
the rest of the community, there's a lot of shame about sobriety and there's a lot of, you know, calling yourself an alcoholic. It's like, you know, people have judgments about that, but she, you know, she wanted me to see the other side of it. So yeah, on Valentine's day of 2020, I walked into my first AA meeting and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and so I got the three in-person meetings before the pandemic hit. I actually went, once I find out there was, you know, there's incentives, there's coins mm-hmm. monthly. And, you know, I kind of, I don't know if it's my athletic background or whatever, but I was like, Ooh, prizes. So on March 13th, 2020, you know, the world was like on the brink of of shutting down. And I was like, I am getting to this meeting. I am getting my one month coin. And I went to the grocery store and bought like 10 pound bag of rice and all the beans and, you know, like Mm -hmm. toilet paper and all the things. And then things switched to Zoom. And that was, you know, that was a whole nother layer. But it, a lot of people have said to me, like, how'd you get, how'd you get sober in the pandemic? And honestly, I think it was a blessing for me, right? Like my second marriage had just failed as well. And my ex-wife literally moved out two weeks before everything shut down. So here I am, like, I don't have to worry about the jealousy piece of like, what's she up to? What's she? No one's going out. No one's inviting me to go out. I'm not having to say no to social events. I'm not having to like, um, you know, and I've got all this extra time on my hands. So again, like I got back to running, like I didn't have to commute to work. So suddenly I have 40 minutes at the end of my day back that I could just like put on my sneakers and run out the door. In that April of 2020, I work at a college and the campus rec department did a run 100 miles in April challenge. And I signed up and then immediately did the math and was like, I can't do that. (laughs) There's no way. And then, you know, one of my daughters, they're teens and one of my daughters like, you can do it. And I don't know if you have a, if you have kids, you know, like. You, especially getting sober, you want to show up for them and you want to, sh- you know, you want to give them something to be proud of. And so I was like, well, if my kid says I can do it, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I did, you know, and they met me out, you know, out on my final run to hit hundred miles. And yeah. So, you know, it was, it was terrible. I'm grateful to have gotten into the rooms. I know AA doesn't, doesn't work for everybody, but I, I do encourage folks to give it a shot. It's just, if you can find the right meeting and, and try a bunch of different meetings, you know, it, if you can find that community, you know, and I know for a lot of people, it's the higher power and religious piece that that turns them off. And there are meetings that, you know, don't, that have a lot more variety of people that that have found higher powers that are, I have one guy in my meeting that I go to, his higher power is love. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you argue with that? Like, you know, it's just, and he's such a like, you know, and he's been through the ringer, he's, you know, and so, you know, so what it's like now is just like I said before, like I'm I'm present and every day is not <laughs> wonderful, but I manage things so much better. And for me, it's just, you know, just I don't I don't have to it, it the this the decision to not even have to decide whether or not I'm gonna drink, going into weekends, going to social events, like it's just a it's a it's a non-issue for me. And it just feels like such a blessing every time. And I've been able to, now that we're sort of back into the swing of things, like I've been able to re-hang out with the friends I used to go out drinking with. And you know, we've gotten together for breakfast. Never in the 15 years we've all known each other. We're all moms together. We just would go out drinking because moms need a glass of wine. Moms need, you know, we drink beer, but you know, you know, and, and they're, they're all on this journey with me too. They still drink and and it's, it's there, but they're so supportive. I got together for one with a walk and she's like, why have we never done this? I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, we went out to breakfast. We've never gone out to breakfast. So they're sort of embracing this new way of socializing together. And, but you know, one hosts two keg parties a year and I've been able to go to those and 
I realized no one cares if I'm not drinking. They're all drinking. They're having a good time. They don't, they don't, I don't care what I'm doing and I don't care what they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm living my, I'm living my life and it's, it's just been a real blessing. That's excellent. And looking back, how do you feel your sexuality played a role in your addiction? Yeah, I love that question. When you when you sent me the list of questions, I was like, oh, that's that's really good for me. No, I mean, I think I realized very, very young that I was gay, that I was different. And, you know, in, in some ways, I can look back and be grateful that I didn't dive into alcohol at a young age to deal with that. So that's that's definitely helpful. But both of the women that I found myself in relationships with and eventually married had been predominantly straight. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, I can see that there was there was a mismatch mm-hmm. in both relationships in very different ways. And that did definitely, I drank at that uncomfortableness of like, I think I'm in the wrong place. It also created social circles that were in the wrong place. Like I found myself, even though I was married to women, I was still living a very predominantly, you know, and especially becoming a mom, like I was just in these social circles, like I just marrying somebody who was predominantly straight and had no connection to the gay community. I and this is on me, I I take the responsibility for this. Absolutely that I didn't keep up with my queer community. I didn't keep going to pride. I didn't keep, you know, we had some gay friends, but it just I don't know, it was different. And I you know, and then I found as a mom, like there's all, it's just so heteronormative. And like, so those nights out drinking with my friends, it was like, I wanted to talk. I mean, and even this isn't even necessarily queer based, but like, I wanted to have like engaging conversations. And I know it's very globally thinking, but I just found myself in social circles where it was like, oh, especially as we got older, like, you know, oh, I've got gray hair and wrinkles. And it was like all this like heteronormative conversations and I just never felt like I fit in. And I can see now, like, I just keep the beers coming because I can't, I don't, there's a, I'm not in the right space. I'm not in the right. So that was, that's been very eye-opening and, and in, in sobriety, I am definitely taking a vested interest in getting back to my roots of, of being gay and being prideful about that and being out. And what's that experience been like kind of rediscovering your place in the community sober? It's been really really eye-opening. Yeah, I have approached my sobriety in the same way I approached my my queerness in that I'm very out about it. I'm out about both because I really, I, I part of my coming out story has to do with a when I was a sophomore in college, a woman that lived in my residence hall was murdered. Just broad daylight, carjacked, like just horrendous, horrendous. And I, I just realized at that point, like, I need to come out. Like, I need to be me because if you know, I was 19 and I was like, if 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 this is the world we live in, like, I'll be damned if I'm not going to live out as me. Because if I can be plucked off this planet at any minute, I just, I'm just going to be as comfortable as I can. And I also recognize, like, I have the ability and the comfort within myself to do that and that other people need that. Other people need to see a role model. And that's what I did for, for many years. And again, like, that's, I stepped away from all of that and was so uncomfortable. So in in sobriety, I'm kind of getting back to my gayness and getting and being really, you know, by doing something like this, I'm being really out about my sobriety, because if it can help or save or make one person one, even one single person feel less lonely and less, you know, you know, 
kind of isolated in that way, I'm I'm more than happy to give give of myself. So it's been really great. And I've been able to, you know, make queer friends that are in recovery. I actually just went to a local in-person LGBTQ meeting last night. And I was telling people I was recording this today. So you might hopefully maybe get a few more followers on your on your Instagram account. So it's been it's been great. I really feel like I'm starting to get back to having having a community. That's excellent. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can certainly relate. I know that beforehand when I was drinking, even when I was like in the community, I didn't feel like I was like part of the community or in the right place in the community. And like something about like sober and queer together. I'm just like, yes, like those two make sense and they go well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, I just I feel like. Although on the other hand, I'm th- you know I think there's there is a heavy dose of alcohol consumption in the queer community. You know I do think about as we get out of the pandemic, like you know I'm definitely middle aged, but I'm still like I want to go dancing, I want to go to a club, like I want to go out, and I and I I haven't done it quite yet. And there's part of it that's an age thing, like is this going to be what I want it to be and what I remember? But there's part of it that's a that's a, a drinking thing of like, am I you know in on the night that there is actually something happening in town, am I going to feel solid enough to go and do this and feel safe in my, in my sobriety? Cause I won't, if I, you know, if there's a night where I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't think I can, I can handle this. Then I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do anything that's going to threaten my sobriety. Yeah, for sure. Um, and when, what are some of the things that you do to help keep you grounded in your sobriety? That's also an awesome question. I mean, I I do I try to get to a couple of meetings. I have a sponsor through AA, so that's somebody that I have, you know, again because of the pandemic, we do a weekly phone call, check-in, you know, and I just, you know, I I I consume that, I consume the the AA literature. And again, you know, like just this morning in this morning's meeting I went to, you know, it's it's a la carte, right? Like it's, you don't have to, you don't have to take it all and you don't have to believe it all. But if it's something that you can, that you can hold on to that will keep you, keep you sober and grounded. And I've been trying to embrace gratitude and have, you know, have a daily practice of just, you know, because again, like the, the mind shift when drinking is so negative and it's so dark. And so to grasp like, okay, I could sit here at the end of the day and think these are all the things that went wrong. This is all the stuff that's crappy about my life. But wait a minute, like I, you know, this happened and this person sent me this sweet email and this person texted me out of the blue. And like, so there are people that are thinking about me and I am engaged in the community. And, you know, so just trying on some days it feels really desperate. Like I'm really trying to like grasp at anything that positive that went well, you know, and and some days are are better than others. Yes, certainly. (laughs) And if someone was listening and they're curious about getting sober or newly sober and struggling, what kind of advice would you give a newcomer or someone dipping their toes into it? Yeah, I love, I'm, every time I'm like, that's a great question. I mean, I think the word curious is right in there. Like you just said, I think stay curious. Like, I think it's important. I was just thinking about this this morning. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be an all or nothing and it doesn't have to be a forever. And you don't have to identify as an alcoholic and you don't have to, you know, if that feels like too much of a word and you don't have to, you know, like I said before, you don't have to get all the way down to the bottom of the, you know, the elevator to have it be, to really examine your relationship with alcohol. I think there are a lot of people that, especially now, I think there's a lot of sober curious. There's a lot of people sort of embracing that, like, wait a minute, like, even though I may not have a 
problem per se. It's not a benefit. Mm. I don't feel better. <laughs> I don't yeah. feel good in the morning. I don't, you know, so I think, you know, just, just stay curious and, and give it a try and see how you feel, you know, and you might enjoy sleeping better. I know for me, the first couple of months of sobriety, falling asleep was such a treat and recognizing that I was enjoying it. I would just lay in bed and like, didn't have the bed spins, didn't have like that. I feel like my brain is eating itself inside my skull because I'm dehydrated and you no, know, and just like letting myself drift off to sleep. So, you know, there's, there's things that maybe you don't associate with drinking that are benefits of not drinking. And I just, you know, I think it's, I think it's okay to be curious and to, to give it a try and to not, you know, and just be gentle with yourself and find somebody that you can talk to about it and who's not going to be judgmental in terms of, you know, like I said before, the word alcoholic and, you know, alcoholism, it doesn't have to be this whole big thing, but just, you know, and, and I have a, you know, I have a, a core group of friends too from college and they're on this journey with me too. And one texted me and she's doing dry January. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's going to be, you know, a thing for her for the future or she just wanted a reset, but I know she knows she can come to me and I can support her. And I'm also not going to be like, yes, and here's all the A literature and here you could do this. It's like, she's just trying giant January. She just wants to see if this is, this is helpful for her. And, you know, and then maybe it's going to be something that, you know, is just a once a year thing, just a reset. And I think, you know, I think it's about being gracious with yourself and showing yourself a little compassion. Yeah, for sure. And no matter how we get sober, but especially in the rooms, we tend to love our quotes, traditions, and sayings. Do you have a mantra that you love to live by? I have a couple. Yeah, I think one thing that has always stood out to me the the reading the the more the meeting I go to in the morning, they read the chapter five, how it works, mm-hmm. and the words fearless and thorough. Like from, from the very first time I heard it, I was like, oh, fearless and thorough. Like, I like that. And and I actually, each year of sobriety, which I'm coming up on year three, I buy myself a t-shirt that kind of has like a, a theme or something. So I found one that says fearless, but not as one word. It's fear less. Mm-hmm. And that really like, yeah, it, it, again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's just, which leads me to another one, which is progress, not perfection, right? Like it's not, every day is not going to be perfect and you're not always going to get it right. And you're, you know, you're work, in sobriety, you're working through all the ways that you can see the ways you managed things before that didn't, didn't work for you and didn't work for the people around you who are trying to be loving to you and caring for you or weren't, but you were, you know, you were owning your part. Um, and then I feel like I had one other, yeah, one day at a time. And I, every time I, every time I come, I, f- I follow a lot of different sober, sober folks on Instagram. And I, I just, you know, I always write O D A A T like, and that's actually, I have like a list of like tattoos I'm thinking of. And that's definitely one because that's, that's to me, that really probably is the one, right? Because it's like, you just have today. And I try, and it's, it's, it's definitely a work in progress for me of not living in the regrets of yesterday and not living in the fear of tomorrow because all I have is today. And that's, I'm just going to do the best I can today. And I hope it's good enough at the end of the day. And I can rest my head tonight and say like, okay, I did a, I did a pretty good job today (laughs) or I did a crappy job, but uh, tomorrow I get a new try. Yeah. Excellent. I love that. And any last words of wisdom or advice for my biggest piece of advice is like, kind of like what I said before, like, 
find someone you can talk to, whether whether you're investigating sobriety and not drinking, but even just in life, like it's important. And this is one thing I got away from. I didn't have a trusted friend that I could say the scary stuff out loud, because once you let that out, once it comes out of your mouth, even if it's still there, even if you're you're scared or you have a regret or you did something you know horrendous, just letting it out so it's not rattling around in your brain is just going to it's going to ease the discomfort so much and you're not alone you know like i think that's to me the scariest part of people that struggle with with alcohol and addiction is that you just feel so alone and that's oh, wow. the addiction in your head being like you know pointing that finger at you and then you get and that's why i encourage folks i mean maybe there's other groups for in, besides aa but to me it's like you start to hear these other stories and maybe people have done things way more wild than you have or, or different, but the, the, the themes are the same. And the, you know, that feeling of like, okay, I'm, I'm not alone in this and I'm not, you know, I hate the word. I don't like the word crazy, you know, but I'm not, I'm not the only one that feels this way. And, you know, once you can kind of embrace that and that there's other people on this path with you and there for you, I think, you can start to forgive yourself and you can start to love yourself. And that's, that's a gift. Perfect. Yes. And if someone wanted to follow the sobriety path with you by following you on Instagram, how would they do that? Yeah, I am at DC, which are my initials, like underscore and, and then underscore Rosie, R-O-S-E-Y, which is my dog. So if you like pictures of running coffee and dogs, and sobriety. That's my lot. I do have, like I said before, I do have children, but I don't post a lot about them because they are teenagers and kind of want their, their, their stuff off there. But yeah, my, my account is closed, but if I see that you liked this podcast, you know, I'll double check and I'm happy to have people follow me if they want some inspiration. And I'm certainly happy to, you know, talk offline with anyone that's struggling and needs a little assistance. And like I said, I'd be happy to share my um, home group Zoom link because it's a great, strong, there's like 50 to 60 people on there every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it's a great group. Wow. that If I was a morning person, I'd be interested. <laughs> but it's hard <laughs> enough for me to get to work by 8.30 most days. Yeah. No. But yes, progress, not perfection. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, and, and to, to know that about yourself, right? Like, yeah. you know, there's no right or wrong morning person, night person, you know, like middle of the day person or just never in the mood person. You know? Yeah. Like, My home group no- is at like 9 p.m. Eastern time. And I talk to people and they're like, oh, that's too late. Like I'll be in bed by the time it's over. So yeah. to each their yeah. own. The beauty of yeah. Zoom is that there's meetings all day, every day. All day. Yes, there is. Excellent. Thank you so much, Danielle. Stick around for the post show on our Patreon Great. page. Listeners, thanks for tuning into another episode of Gay A Podcast. You can join our Patreon family to hear that post show episode by heading over to Patreon dot com backslash gay a podcast in the meantime you can follow me on instagram at gay a podcast or email me at gay a podcast at gmail.com and be sure to follow us wherever you're listening so you can get new episodes every thursday until next time stay sober friends <laughs>